good good acoustics in this. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Barely Legal Comedy Podcast. I'm Alex Boardman, he's Chris Keogh, he's a barrister, I've got a law degree, we're both comedians. Hello everybody, um, sorry we've been ever so slightly away, I've moved house, we've had Covid in the house, there just wasn't a point we could meet up over the last three weeks, was there? Um, no. No, there wasn't. <laughs> just but to prove that I am here and yes, not pretending that You I'm did here. your Rwanda special. I did, That yeah. set the internet alight. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of things we need to talk about because you've been posting utter garbage on Twitter a few <laughs> weeks ago. It said the gist of it was you don't like toast. <laughs> Who doesn't like toast? When did I say that? Oh you no, said no. It a few weeks ago. Oh right, no, no, right. Trying to be controversial. I was, yeah, yeah, that's me, edgy comedian. Edgy you know, comedian, and then I think you were going to go into shades of brown toast and terrorist <laughs> toast, and I think that's where it was heading, wasn't it? Racism. I only like my bread white. <laughs> yeah, I like Who my doesn't co- like toast? I didn't say I didn't like toast. What I said was that I don't get the same joy out of it as other. But you're sort of proving the point is that you're all so incensed at. My even suggestion that I don't absolutely love toast. Yeah. That it's the first thing you've... I've not seen you for like a month and it's the first thing you've raised. Right. And it's like, but I was saying I wish that I had that joy of toast. Because it's a simple... <laughs> joy of toast. That would be an awesome <laughs> book for Nigella. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I wish that I had it, but I just don't. Right. You know, I, it's I... just okay. I can take or leave it. If basically, if, if, if I was told I was never allowed to eat toast ever again in my life, I'd be fine. I've already had toast today. I yeah, yeah. At yeah. least once a but day. But it's because it's such a simple it's the little best. It's buzz amazing. that you can get first thing in the morning, and I don't have that. Well, and you're I an think idiot. I'm, no, no, I agree that it? I'm missing out. Do you have butter, real butter, or do you still have margarine like we're in 1984? <laughs> <laughs> in all senses, I probably have. Um, I don't know. How the hell? Do, this is the problem. You, I can't believe you wouldn't know. I don't have a strong toast regime, right. is what it is. Well, so. you need to up your game. Peanut butter on toast, 10 out of 10. Peanut butter? Peanut butter like is Like some sort of an American. Toast. No, it's just gorgeous. Um, real butter on toast, especially if you get salted butter, ridiculous. Yeah. The proper one, the special one with like the thick crystals in it. With like crunchy crystals in it. Yeah, and then also jam. You're missing out. I can't. Honestly, I can't. No, I am. It. That was the whole point of the tweet. I feel like I'm missing out. You are out, missing out. But I can't, there's nothing I can do about that because it's just how I feel. <sighs> I know you can train yourself to feel different things, probably. I don't buy this idea that, you know, everyone... You're missing out on many of life's simple joys and I think it's probably more to do with your lack of butter in your house. You think? Yes. Well, because for the last couple of years, we've had to have something called Vegan Block oh. in the house, which sounds like an app you can have no, on your phone, it but yes. it's not. <laughs> That'd be really handy. Yeah, I don't want to see any of that shit, <laughs> thank you. Uh, no, but it's, it's sort of margarine is what it is. I and it's it. all right. Yeah, you know it's mean? awful. I don't, th- I don't think it's awful. It. I think it's okay. Come on. But the thing, the thing is, though, is like if I had more butter, then my blood pressure would be through the roof. No, it wouldn't. I mean. It's different fats. It? All that research that was done in the 80s was done by the Margarine by the, Marketing by the, Board. The Stark Institute of, yeah. stu- of Studies. Polyunsaturates <laughs> and stuff. And then it turns out, oh, actually, it's really, really bad for you, whereas butter just goes through you. Margarine's actually illegal, isn't it? Possibly, I don't know. As, as an official thing, as in like a, there's, there's, the, there's versions of what margarine was. 
but for something to be margarine, I think there's a certain standard, you know, there's certain properties it has to have, and that's actually illegal now. It feels it's so like it's probably petrol derived, like yeah. you know that yeah. kind. Of... <laughs> <laughs> right. So, oh, I don't know whether we should keep that in because that very quickly descended into like, hey, do you like toast? No, is we need a posse. You know, yeah. like Steve Wright, who's just quit Radio 1 after 9 million years. Yeah. What's happened with his posse? We could get them in on this podcast. Did he Did he have a posse, Steve He did. Wright? He definitely did, because he has loads of people going, oh, that's right, Steve, great. Factoid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They could be here now. I didn't realise he was still on the radio, you know. I just thought he was... No, know, he I, is. I thought he'd just been put out to pasture a long time ago. No, occasionally. There'll be like a couple, you'll be flicking through and there'll be a good song will come on and then there'll be another good song come on and you go, oh, good. And if somebody's picked, they have like, we get to pick three songs of five songs. And you're like, this radio station's great. And then Steve Wright comes in and you're like, oh, no. Does he still do the like the chatting over the actual songs yep. and yep. singing over them himself? Yep. And he does all that. This is <laughs> awful. You can tell we've not done it for a month. Right. Well, we've got a new feature. Um... But so I'm gonna we've fannied about too much. So the new feature will be And we can cut out the Steve Wright chat. In yeah. the next episode. No, the Steve Wright chat's vital. <laughs> <laughs> it shows any new listeners what What this is about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um right, we're at a new venue, we're in my new house, so the acoustics might sound different again. Um so the last proper episode before you went rogue and did one on your own, was, uh, it was called Murder or Manslaughter, and it was basically Hangham and the DPP, uh, and oh, what was it? It was about a bleak intent. Yeah. Indirect intent. Yes. So, uh, we're going to follow on from that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. So, so basically, just, yeah, so, so, so direct intent, just as a little reminder, mm. as, for myself as much as anybody else, <laughs> um, is when you intend to do the thing that you if that makes sense. <laughs> That's <laughs> That'll be £400 an hour, please. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, so, so, if, so for murder, the intention for murder is the intent to kill or cause grievous bodily harm. Mm. So you do, you, you stab someone with that intention to cause grievous yeah. bodily harm, they die, you've clearly intended theirs. You know, there's a direct link, you know, a causal chain there. Um, whereas a bleak intent is where you intend to do something else, but as a result of that, the person dies. So we saw in high and... Um, that was in relation to um, setting fire to a house with the intention to frighten somebody, mm. but then the probability was was that someone could get could get harmed. So you know that that's where you know the intention was for something different, but the outcome was that someone had died. That makes yes. sense. Total sense. It's right. a really good episode, Hayley. It's one of the, it's a really top case as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what we're going to do though is so what, what we ordinarily would do is move through the cases sort of chronologically, as it were. Yeah. But we're sort of going to do it in a little bit back-to-front kind of way with this one. Um, I was expecting you to interject there. I was oh. thinking about it. <laughs> Honestly. Do you know why I didn't? Because I was thinking about butter falling on toast plus side down and I thought we'd had enough. <laughs> so, we're, so we're going to go to basically like the end case of the, of the sort of chain, as it were. Right, okay. Which is the, the case of the Cronon Woolen. <clears throat> And, and use that as a vehicle to look back at the progression of the law because it only right. makes sense if you look at it within that context, I think, to be honest with you. Right. So that's... Now, when I did my <clears throat> law degree in a million years ago, when I think people were dancing to Common People by Pulp, going, this is a great new track, I've never heard it. Um, when there was always a... There's always this chain, isn't there, from of how the law develops over, like, 
maybe a couple of decades, maybe 30 years, and lots of the exam questions would want you to cover all of this, and I never quite got that. Yeah. That you weren't just to go, right, What tell us about intent, and you go, well, Woolen says this, but they don't want that. They want a discussion of everything, don't they? So this will be quite handy if you're doing yeah. exams. I'd yeah, exactly, yeah. So, 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 because I think, because what we'll see basically is, as we go through this this episode, it maybe end up being two episodes, um, is effectively the the definition narrowing, as it were, um, to to remove the blur. Because because where we had mm. it um, with with Hyam um, was that it was basically about foreseeability, and if, if if an outcome was foreseeable, then therefore it, you could infer intent on onto yeah. that action. Which blurs the line between intent and recklessness, and therefore murder and manslaughter. You know what I mean. So that, that's the difficulty. And and one thing that the law has to be, certainly criminal law particularly, is certain because yeah. ignorance of the law can't be a defence. So it's only right that the law is certain, so that you know you, you know what you can and can't do. You know. Yeah. Um. So so that basically the court had a number of opportunities over the years to get a grip of this question, um, and f- finally. Um, the the House of Lords, I think it was the House of Lords in um, in Woolling, was able to sort of finally say yes, this is what the law is in this area, and it's remained that ever since. Um, so we'll we'll do the facts of Woolling, so we can find it, so we know what this is about, and, the, and then we'll go through the judgment of Woolling, and then that will take in the other cases. Yeah, you know, it's a big case when it's just. One name. One name. When it's re- referred to as one name and everyone goes, we've we not got time to say Crown. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. it's yeah. such a big... Matt yeah. Norton. It's, we can't be bothered. Exactly. Uh, oh, wait till we come on about to talk about oh, Matt no, Norton. Good, 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 good Lord. Um, yeah, so, so this is the... So it's the House of Lords. It's 1998, which is wow. the year I started oh university. That's yeah. the year my eldest was born. That was the start of my personal descent. Your- that the was start the of the fall. <laughs> it was. So the World Cup was in 98, and I remember having a kick about, and I would have been, what, 22? And I remember just going, it's over. I can't run. Really? <laughs> yeah. Not like proper. And then I was like, how long would it take me to get fit? Four weeks. And I was like, right, I'll get fit. And I never did to this day. <laughs> I've never been. I've just done a decline since then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's like you think that I, I, I found myself in those, you know, similarly, like now I'm like in my early 40s, sort of looking back at pictures of me when I thought I was fat. Yeah. And it was like, no, no. I know. I, I wish I was that fat now, you know. It was... I know, I, I, well, yeah, all, I, every, just everything. I just wish everything. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you just... never, never know that you've got it so good, do you? You know what I mean? No. <laughs> so anyway, so it's 98, so we've already agreed what a year that was. It was great. I was 18, you were France won the World Cup. France won the World Cup. I won a lot of money on France winning the World Cup. I won 400 quid, which for an 18-year-old was... Wow, that is a lot good, of money. Um, yeah, was, was good cash back then. It'd still be a good net. I still enjoy that now, to be fair. Yep. Um, yeah, so 98, it was in the House of Lords. So this is before, this, obviously, the Supreme Court was established. Mm-hmm. And the we've got team news from the, okay. from the bench. Uh, we've got... <laughs> International team news. Yeah, yeah. We've got Lord Brown Wilkinson. Right. Okay. Lord Nolan. Lord Stain. Obviously, or Steen, but Stain, I think it's pronounced S T E Y N. Lord Hoffman and Lord Hope of Craighead. So, yes. at least one of them's got an of place there. Yes, these sound like some of those radical barristers that are currently striking 
these yeah. lefty lunatics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw I saw someone refer to the judiciary as the Islamo Marxist <laughs> judiciary recently. This, this, this. Which actually, <laughs> I don't know what these people think goes on in court. No. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, so they, they gave handed down judgments on the, this is written judgment twenty second of July, but the actual the oral judgments, which uh, which is uh, a phrase that I didn't think I would say, it was handed down the twenty fifth of June nineteen ninety eight. Right. What um, does that mean? Does that mean they probably go right for the purposes of this? Literally you read it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this this is what we're saying, and then we'll write up yeah. our reasons because we have to be a hundred percent clear when we yeah. Yeah, because they're creating precedent, so you've got to give written reasons and so on. Yeah. But they hand, yeah. So you you will sometimes see that, right? This is my judgment, and I'll I'll write it up later. Basically. Right. That's um, interesting. I didn't know that either. Yeah, and obviously the judgment that's written has to reflect what was said. You know, yeah. Can't, <laughs> 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 I but wish I, you could do that in an argument. I mean, no, the answer is no. I will give my written reasons within the next fourteen days. <laughs> I mean, you do sometimes get orders come by and you think, that's not quite what was said there. Mm. But anyway, um, that's when they've been drafted by other parties to the proceedings. Well, they will be, won't they? Who sort of agreed to sneak something between them, it seems. Anyway, so this, so the facts of Woolen then, um, so we know where we're at. So the case in a nutshell, as it's written in the judgment, is that the appellant, so that's one Stephen Woolen, um, lost his temper and threw his three-month-old son onto a hard surface. So it's already... A tragic Jesus case. Christ. And his son oh. sustained fractured skull and died. Oh, God. <clears throat> oh, come on. And we're talking about murder cases. There's not we going to be many cheery ones. We did a build-up about toast. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Wright. <laughs> were you, were, you know, any listeners were hoping about, you know, it was going to be a story about a, D, a radio DJ being murdered by toast. <laughs> and then that would be... Yeah. Somebody could choke to death on toast, and yeah. then this would be like, oh my God. Oh my God, how prescient of them to have done that. So he was charged with murder. Right? Three-month-old son, right. Three-month-old yes. son, thrown onto a hard surface, mm-hmm. fractured skull, baby's died, he's charged with murder, okay? Um, the Crown didn't contend that the appellant desired to kill his son or to cause him serious injury, so that wasn't put to the jury. Um, the issue was whether the appellant nevertheless had the intention to cause serious harm by way of oblique intention, in essence. Yeah. Um, he denied that he had such intention, subject to one qualification, the recorder of Leeds, summed up in accordance with the guidance given by Lord Lane in Nedrick. So Nedrick is one of the cases we want to talk about shortly. Yep. Um, and that, would, that was as follows. Where the charge is murder, and in the rare cases where the simple direction, i.e. whether it caused, whether there was direct intention there, that is for the jury simply to decide whether the defendant intended to kill or do serious bodily harm, is not enough. The jury should be directed that they are not entitled to infer the necessary intention unless they feel sure that the death or that death or serious bodily harm was a virtual certainty. Yeah. Barring some unforeseen intervention as a result of the defendant's actions and that the defendant appreciated that such that such was the case. So that is effectively what's known as the Nedrick direction. Okay. Right. And then Nedrick is a case from nineteen eighty six. Um and that is what that is the direction that the judge in the first case in Leeds handed down, gave to the jury. Um, but towards the end of his summing up, though, there's always something in the lower court. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about directions to juries and so on and what should be put before the jury and, and all that. Um, the judge directed the, the jury that if they were satisfied, the appellant must have realised and appreciated when he threw the child that there was a substantial risk that it would cause serious injury to it 
then it would be open to you to find that he intended to cause injury to the child and you should convict him of murder. So that's slightly different, isn't it, mm. than a virtual certainty that would cause serious harm. Yeah. The jury found the appellant had the necessary intention based on that direction. Um, and they rejected the defence of provocation of a part of the baby. Yeah, probably um, crying, probably not that, sex and that's, crying. That's what it is. It's, what, it's one of those cases where it's, 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 I think it's sad rather than bad. Yeah. Like I've said that before. I often, like with family cases, it falls into one of those two categories. Often sad more often than, than anything else, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> so, so, they, so they rejected the defence and they convicted him of murder. Um, the appeal, he, he appealed up to the Court of Appeal and the appellant's principal ground of appeal was that by directing the jury in terms of substantial risk, the judge unacceptably enlarged the mental element of murder. Okay, um, And the Court of Appeal rejected this ground and dismissed the appeal. Given the judgment of the court, Roche, LJ, Lord Justice Roche, observed that Nedrick, um, although the use of the phrase of virtual certainty may be desirable and may be necessary, it is only necessary where the evidence of intent is limited to the admitted actions of the accused and the consequence of those actions. It is not obligatory to use the phrase or one that means the same thing in cases such as the present where there is other evidence for the jury to consider. So it's effectively saying, yes, there is this direction in Nedrick, but you only have to apply that in certain circumstances, not in all of them, which, again, is not ideal, I would say, mm. um, because you need to have some consistency of approach across a wire jury is getting one direction in, in one case and, and a different one in a very similar case, if that makes sense. Um, so his case, his case on the Court of Appeal was, was dismissed and that's why he's gone up to the House of Lords. So now the House of Lords are now seized of like this, what direction should, um, should the jury have, have been given in this case? So you, you, can, you can see that um, one of the concerns that we had when we think back to Hyam um, is that effectively where it was basically, is it foreseeable or not? Then, you know, the, the, you know someone can be convicted of murder despite not having the actual mens rea for murder. Murder mm. is clearly says you need to have intent to cause harm, serious harm, or to kill. And yet, if it's foreseeable, that's merely foreseeable, you, 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 you remove an intention, you're actually prosecuting someone for murder on a position of force, on, you know, on the basis of foreseeability, which is a much, much lower bar to get on. Get yeah. You get at this, asked this question quite a bit. How can you prove what someone's intention was? I.e., how can you prove someone's mm. state of mind? And you, you can't really show it because you don't know what someone was thinking. But it's not really, that's not how you would do it. What you would look at are like words and actions prior to, at the time of, an, and, and after an event mm. has taken place. And when, what we're talking about here with oblique intention is, is an inference that the jury have to cause to whether or not someone intended for a consequence to occur. You know what I mean? So, so you, you're, you're not saying that this person thought this as in, right, I'm going to do this now mm. and I want this person to die as a result of it. But what you're saying is that actually, intention is a legal term, you know what I mean, in, in, in this context. And what you're saying is like, we are going to effectively, inf we're going to put that intention, find that you had that intention based on your actions. Mm. That makes sense. Yes. So, so, yes. so, so it doesn't it, mean the word intention is in the real world. It's no, no. It's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, because intention, I think in, every, in everyday life, we, we, mean intention to be almost like some conceived plan that, mm. that is you know that's identifiable that i am going to open that door you know yes. like that's an intention um whereas in in legal terms it's actually it, it, it's, a, it's a definable sort of concept to, to 
to mean whether or not someone is guilty of, of certain offences. And when we're talking about oblique intention, we're only ever talking about murder as well. So that that should mm. that should that you know that needs to be sort of that, we need to make that point. Um, and and so what the court did in trying to answer this question so whether or not the the judge was correct in, in effectively widening the scope of Nedrick is they went back over the old cases and, and showed how the the legal test has developed um, over time. So they started um, with the case of in in or well, they started with Hyam, which we've already dealt with, yeah. which was basically quite wide, foreseeable, and, and so on. Then went on to Maloney, which is a case from nineteen eighty five, um, and the you know the as they as they say in in um, <coughs> in the judgment. The effect of Maloney was to narrow down the broad approach of to mens rea adopted in Hyam. And in the leading judgment, Lord Bridge of Harwich observed in Maloney with the approval of all the law lords, so one of them, where yeah. the other law lords are just phoning it in for the day. Yes, I agree with yeah. my um, learned, with the learned um, lord. Um, looking on the facts, uh, the decided cases where the crime of specific intent was under consideration, including Hyam itself, they suggest to me that the probability of the consequence taken to have been foreseen must be little short of overwhelming before it will suffice to establish the necessary intent. So they're not actually sort of changing. They are saying it is still foreseeability, but it's like degrees of foreseeability. Something can be merely foreseeable, you know what I mean? So, you know, as, as a remote concept, but this might happen, I suppose. Whereas what they're saying in Maloney is that it, it's got to be sort of much, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not at the stage where it's a virtual certainty. Um, but it's, it's got to be sort of like little short of overwhelming. So you can see there's a move there towards, you know, to narrow the scope of it. So that basically, you know, if you look at the cases, a, lot, a few of these cases are factually to do with, with things like um, setting fire to houses. Mm. Um, and, what out of the mm. basic facts of Maloney? Right, so Maloney, Maloney's quite interesting, facts, factually, really. Yeah. So it's, um, so the defendant, Maloney, and his stepfather, um, who had a friendly and loving relationship, Boney. <laughs> <laughs> were engaged in a drunken competition to see which of them could load a shotgun faster than the other. Do you remember the case yeah. now? Maloney won um, yeah. and was then challenged by his stepfather to fire the gun, and he did so, killing his stepfather instantly. <laughs> he was charged with murder and convicted, and he appealed and allowed the appeal, and all, it went all the way up to the House of Lords. So the issue there was, did the mens rea of murder require direct intent to kill? And... And and so on. And the House of Lords allowed Maloney's appeal. He hadn't intended to kill his stepfather. Mm. Knowledge of foresight of the consequences of an action uh, were to be considered the best material from whether a crime of intent may be inferred, which we were talking about um, before. So so where his purpose was other than to cause serious bodily harm, then the jury might infer intent if it was a natural consequence. So that was the terminology of these, a natural consequence. And that meant to be and the defendant foresaw that was a natural consequence of his act. Um, and if that was the case, then it, it could be... Um, and foresight of the natural consequence of an act is no more than evidence of the existence of intent. So it's not intent itself. So in that case, they might have foreseen that... There, you know, they might have found that there was some foresight, that he might have caused some harm there. I don't, you know, I think where you're basically messing about while drunk with, yeah. <laughs> with loaded guns, then you can see that there's a possibility of, in, of intention, so of... of a negative outcome for one of the people involved or both of you. <laughs> but was it so, you know, was it a natural consequence? And by natural consequence, it means, you know, something beyond just mere for, merely foreseeable. Is it, does, does nat natural follow 
I, you know, I, I would term nat- it's one of those words, natural consequence, that it that it's not particularly helpful <laughs> no. in other cases. It might have worked in Maloney for what he was trying to say, but in terms of a precedent set, it's very much open to debate what a natural consequence means. Now, I would say natural consequence means simply more than something that's foreseeable. It, it must be something that's bordering on almost, you know, not quite almost certain, but getting towards that. Mm. Is that what I mean, what do you think about that? What would you say natural consequence meant? In in that specific case, I would hope he was convicted of manslaughter and not really given anything more than about suspended year, because we've all done that pissed Fanny and Garine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not necessarily with a shotgun, but every there's not one person in the jury wouldn't go. I don't know. I I can fully empathise with this. Yeah. Um, following on from Hayam, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because Hayam was was quite a low bar set of is it foreseeable? Yeah. So any person in the right mind would go, if you're messing about with loaded guns and the game is to load a gun and fire it and someone is stood in front of you it's when you do fire it. It's clearly foreseeable. It's clearly foreseeable. So I think they've quite tried to tighten it up maybe to find... Because under Hayam, he'd be convicted of murder. There's no doubt. Yeah. So yeah. they had to change it. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's happened. And then I think now when you get to... If you were talk at the facts of Wooling in regards to both Hayam and Maloney... Under Hayam, the facts of Wooling, yes, utterly guilty because it's totally foreseeable by anyone that throwing a three-month-old baby on hard ground will cause brain damage and, or seriously injury, yeah. murder. The same with, with the Maloney test, which is like, oh, it's a bit tighter. It's like a natural consequence. Would it, again, it's just a slightly more narrow definition of foreseeability. Yeah. And yes, yeah. it still would be murder. And I don't, I'm not sure if, can't remember Wooling or not, but I'm still not sure if that's more like manslaughter than murder. Feels like it to me. And and, and this is this is where you, this is and where you got it. So it's like I mean, if because if, if if you set the bar too low or, or the mm. net or cast the net too wide, whichever whichever one of those analogies you want you want to use, um, then effectively you know there's a reason why murder exists and manslaughter exists as offences, and there's a, there's a definite encroachment. Of, of onto manslaughter, I think, with mere force, foreseeability. Yeah, definitely. Because for mere foreseeability, if you think about what... Rec- we're going to come and talk about recklessness as a, as a specific topic, probably next, because it naturally leads on from this. But we'll see that rec- you know, one of the definitions of recklessness is, is, is about having you know, foreseeing consequences and then still acting anyway. So it's like where... where you, know, the re- you can't have these two laws in existence and have one of them encroaching on the other one you know there's a reason no. why why there is a separate offense of manslaughter otherwise any unlawful killing if it was foreseeable could just be murder you know what i mean and, yeah and, and that's not the case and also i don't think anyone would look at maloney knowing the facts now of the loaded gun and the drunken escapade gone wrong yeah and think that person deserves to go to prison for 20 i think years. most people would think that's manslaughter i think most people would just natural justice would go Give him a maybe twelve months absolute tops, and he says six. But and, I, and he's, he's. I mean, to be fair, it's, it's accepted in Maloney as a fact that he and his stepfather had a loving relationship. Yeah. So he's going to be devastated by yeah. what is bordering up could be an accident. You know, like it, and and you know, if you look at what the unlawful act is, so the unlawful act is effectively reckless. If you know, it is messing about with guns. Yeah. You know, with no intention to harm someone else, but. You know, so it's where your unlawful act is something other than the intent, you know, mm. it, it, the, the intention to cause. And that. then there's the whole drunkenness element of that as well, and how that affects yeah. his intent. 
but then well, there's because there's, there's the voluntary intoxication element, like you say, about yeah. whether or not you can form the specific intent as well within that. And we'll talk about that when we talk about defences. But it's hard to properly it's, separate things out. You know what well, I mean? Well, this is why it's interesting ultimately. Because if it was t- if it was so easy, this is murder. This is not murder. Yeah. Um. And but then Woolen. So the, compare being drunk with probably not having slept for a few weeks and not and just being ultimately so tired and maybe mentally in a really terrible yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely at your wit's end and if you've had children you've probably been close to that and it's I, really, I think most people who've had children can, can utterly relate to that relate to you know when you see these sort of terrible things. Anyone yeah. who says, how could you do that to a child? And like, there's someone who either doesn't have kids or has forgotten yeah. what it was like to have young children. Because you were absolutely <laughs> yeah. so tired. You feel, you're just not yourself. You're not in your right mind. Well, there's a reason that your sleep deprivation is a torture tactic. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, and it goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then there's all the stresses of that. And then, uh, but I would, I would still say that if you put that in front of a jury, no jury's thinking the same way they would in the Maloney case. Well, you know, it's give him twelve months suspended, and uh, you, a lot of people would would consider it really, really severe because of the nature of the fact it's a three month old baby, and it's the father of this baby. I'm I'm pretty sure. I don't think people would be going. We've got ultimate sympathy for him. Yeah. I don't know whether that, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, do you know what? Why don't we? Because this is going to be a two parter. Um, I think we should release both at the same time and just let people play it when they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's stop here and um, we'll come back to this because otherwise we're going to have a mega hour-long episode. Well, yeah, we? so I was, I, was, I, was, I was actually about to say now would be a good place to stop because <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to the next case in which we can talk about how the courts have defined natural consequences right. as was directed in... in um, in Maloney um, and then see how we get from natural consequences to virtual certainty right see you in five minutes or if you didn't like it see you never yeah right let's stop it and then uh, we can have another brew if we want <laughs>